Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Amen. I'm going to give you a word this morning that's going to make you feel better by the time the service is over. Amen. So get your Bibles open, get comfortable, don't get too comfortable. See someone next to you nodding off, elbow them real hard. Amen. Because this is an important message. I want to put up right away the rapture. The blessed hope. Tell the person next to you there's hope. Amen? How many are thankful there's hope this morning? So I want to I pick up on this and just say this morning, maybe you're a guest, and if we already thanked you for being here and welcomed you, uh, or you've been coming for a short amount of time and have not heard a message about the rapture, or you don't know what that word means, I just want to tell you that you're in good company in the world because lots of churches don't preach on it. Lots of churches don't talk about it. What's interesting to me, and I try to preach on it every three months, is that the last thing that Jesus did before he left the earth was go up into the sky. And the last words that we're going to read at the end of this message that he said to John on the island of Patmos was, I'm coming quickly, be ready. How is it possible that those two things happen and the church doesn't talk about it? Well, this church does, thank God. How many are thankful that we're in a church that preaches about being ready for the return of Jesus? It's, the, it's, it's, it's the, going to be the greatest event that's ever happened in the history of the world. And the cool thing is you're going to find out this morning is we're going to be a part of it. I want to pick up right off the bat, and I'm going to give you some good verses this morning. We had a wonderful service this morning, a great altar call uh, response. Uh, people got saved, and I'm believing that if you, if you don't know Jesus this morning, get to know him right now. And you're going to get to know him at the end of the service, but you can just say, Jesus, I believe in you this morning. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you're coming back again. Forgive me for my sins. And Jesus can change your life right there, right now. Amen? So if you don't know him, I just told you how to know him. And as this uh, message goes on, it, there's going to be some scary things. I, I, like I said, I couldn't have made a better video of just uh, saying all the things that they said. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to pick up on the last judgment. So the book of Revelation is a book that a lot of people are afraid of. A lot of Christians don't read it. A lot of Christians don't uh, want to read it. They're afraid of it. A lot of Christians don't understand it. When I got saved, I was drawn to it. it, it I, I had an excitement to learn it. I read it and read it and read it. So I have 30 years of studying this, and um, I, have, I believe I have some good knowledge on it and some good understanding. And one of the things that I have to be careful, I'm just going to give a, a little warning, is I have to be careful not to chase rabbits. Because when I say something, it's, hard, it's easy for me to want to go preach a message on that particular thing because there's so much information. So help me this morning to stay focused on what I'm trying to get to because there's so much to talk about. But in the book of Revelation, uh, these are futuristic events. There's a, oh, about a thousand prophecies that were spoken about Jesus. 500 of them have already come to pass in his coming to the earth, his dying on the cross, his resurrecting from the dead, his ascending into heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And the other 500 or so are future events that are going to be uh, fulfilled uh, with the coming of his, with the return of, of the rapture and the tribulation and his second coming and all those different things. So I want to pick up in Revelation 16, if you have your Bibles, and I'm going to talk about the last sign that he mentioned there in the, in the Bible, in the, in, in the History Channel. And this is the last one of 21 judgments. Now, I want to go ahead and take it back down for a second because I want to just get you guys an understanding here of something. When Noah's flood destroyed the earth, that was judgment from God. I want to get you to understand what, what judgment means. 
And, and um, again, I could preach a message on that in itself, just the judgment of God. God is a just God, okay? And the truth is, all of us, say all of us, deserve judgment. We all deserve hell. That's just the truth. And that's why Jesus came, so that we don't have to go to hell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe would not but have everlasting, okay? So there, there's, a, there's a judgment coming. And, and God has consistently been judging the earth, but he doesn't, he doesn't want to, he loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his son. He came from heaven to die for us. But that judgment of Noah was, I can't stand the earth. I can't stand the way people are. I can't stand the way people are mocking me. So he destroyed the earth with a flood. That was a judgment. That was one judgment. Then later on you saw uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. He destroyed the city with fire and brimstone. If you remember that message I preached a few months ago, the brimstone's still there. 4,000 years later, and it's still hot. It's still there. It's, 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 that city, is Sodom and Gomorrah, is, is, is destroyed, and it's just uninhabited. To show a picture of the judgment of God if you don't believe that God's going to judge the world. Those were just one and another individual judgments, okay? In the book of Revelation, what is coming when the tribulation starts is 21 judgments. 21. I just gave you two. And they're going to be successive. There's seals and trumpets and bowls. And they get worse. The seals are first, then the trumpets, and then the bowls. And as they are coming out, 7 and then 14 and then to 21, they're getting worse and worse and worse. And I want you to understand something right off the bat this morning. This is why this message is called the Blessed Hope. We're as Christians not going to be here for that. Okay? That's why it's called the Blessed Hope. And I'm going to give you scripture for that. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, you will be here for that, and you don't want to be. Okay? And I'm going to show you that this morning. But we're going to pick up in Revelation 16 with the last judgment, just to read a little bit here. I sent this text out early because I was reading this earlier in the week, in the beginning of the week. And this verse caught me, uh, and, I, and, and I didn't remember seeing this particular word that we're going to read here in a second that talks about the fierceness of his wrath. How many know wrath is enough in itself? But to be putting wrath down with fierceness is an added emphasis. Okay? And I'm going to answer your question in a little bit too. Why, why is God so mad? I'm going to answer that in a minute as well. But let's pick up Revelation 16, 17 to 21. If you're taking notes, this is an awesome message to share to your loved ones. This is an awesome message to, to send a text, copy and paste, get some stuff over to your family members. Let them know about this stuff because if they don't want to listen, that's fine. But they can go back and listen to it later when we're gone. Amen? So it says, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl. Okay, that's the seventh of the seven bowls. Into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven saying, it is done. In other words, his judgment of the great tribulation is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And watch this. This is what the History Channel was, was talking about. And there was a great earthquake. This is an important word. In the Bible, we understand that we go through tribulation every day, right? There's tribulation in our lives. People say, well, how are we not going to go through a tribulation? There's a difference between daily tribulation and the tribulation. Okay? The tribulation is that seven-year period. Also, in the tribulation, which is an exact, real, not metaphorical, seven-year period, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, in that period, right in the middle, we'll, so there'll be the tribulation in the first three and a half years, and then right in the middle, there's an event that I can't go into right now that would be another message in itself, starts the great tribulation. 
So then you have tribulation, the tribulation, and then you have great tribulation. You have earthquakes and you have great earthquakes. How many know we've been having earthquakes for as long as we know? But we do know this as well. Every year the earthquakes get greater. Every year the earthquakes get closer together. It's, it's constant. It's ongoing. And, and it's been like that since Jesus left the earth. And so this particular one is the last great earthquake. And it says such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred. Now the interesting thing about Revelation is this is a future event. This has not happened yet. Since men were on the earth. And now the great city was divided into three parts. The cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon, that's another message, was remembered before God. I want to say this right here, and I'm going to say it a few more times. Say it with me. God will not be mocked. I was talking about this last night with some people in our church that everything everybody does, God remembers. Have you ever looked at the earth and the world and thought, why do they get away with that? How come they're not punished for that? Why does it seem like sometimes the, the world prospers? Church, everything done is going to be dealt with. Everything that is unrighteous will be judged. Okay, There's nothing that has, has been done that will not be judged. And if it's not judged on this earth, it will be judged in eternity. Can I get an amen? And so, great Babylon was remembered before God to give her, look at this, the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. I want you to understand how strong that is. The fierceness of his wrath. And look what it goes on to say. And then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. That's an earthquake. And great hail from heaven fell upon men. Each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Church, the Bible tells us here that those hailstones weigh 100 pounds. That's what a talent is. We, we, we've had a, we have a lot of hail in Texas. We have a lot of hail damage. We hear of golf, saw, golf, saw, golf ball size hail. We hear of tennis ball, even softball. Can you imagine how big a hundred pound hailstone is? Should say hail car, not hailstone. And they're going to come down from heaven. And here's the amazing thing that blows me away. Men blaspheme, will, this is future, will blaspheme God because of the plague of hail. Since that plague was exceedingly great. That's the wickedness that we have in this world. This, they're going to have endured 21 judgments. And if somehow they're still alive, they're going to put their fists up to heaven and blaspheme God. That's the world we live in. And, and, and the Bible tells us that as tribulation begins, they'll get worse. Instead of doing what the tribulation is for and to get people's attention... They'll get worse. And so by the time the second half of the tribulation starts, God is no longer judging. God is, and I'm just going to invent a Texas word here, wrathing. Don't you all love my Texas English? It's cool. and didn't get away with anything in Texas. Right? He's not judging anymore. He's wrathing. He is pouring out wrath. He is mad. The Bible says it is a scary thing to fall into the hands 
of a living God. The one, of the, one of the attributes that I have in my life that I most covet and I will never lose is my fear of God. When you lose your fear of God, you are in trouble. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We don't fear God enough because if we did, we wouldn't do the things we do. Say the things we say. Can I get an amen? So we need to fear the Lord. Fear is a good thing. It's healthy. Reverent. Every day when I start my prayer, I don't pray the same way every day, but one thing I say every morning when I start is I say, Lord, I revere you. I respect you. I honor you. I fear you. I want him to know. And those aren't words just from my mouth. They're from my heart. I fear the Lord because I know how big he is. And I'm just a little ant that he could squash if he wants to. Y'all realize that? To sit, put your fist up and it just blows me away. And so here we are seeing this fierceness of his wrath. And this is the last horrible event of a worldwide earthquake. And people are mocking and blaspheming his holy name. Now, we're living in days today. And I'm going to give you a few things to read later. Matthew 24. We're going to read a scripture there. Please, as I'm giving verses, don't stay reading because that's easy to do. I want you to really stay focused on what I'm trying to teach you this morning. But Matthew 24 and Luke 21 would be good homework chapters to read this week, especially since in small group we're going to be talking about this during the week. Uh, but Matthew 24 is telling us that we're having birth pains. The world is having birth pains. Just like a woman is going into labor and the birth pains get, get more frequent and they get more painful. Amen? And so we just saw this week, if you saw the news, Turkey and Syria just had a massive Two massive earthquakes, and there's over almost 30,000 dead people from these earthquakes. Now, if, you, if you're new to Bible prophecy, Syria and Turkey and China and Russia and Jordan and Egypt and all the Middle East are big-time players in Bible prophecy. So when you see something happen in Turkey or Syria or Russia or China, it is extra, extra emphasis on what's going on in the world right now. So an earthquake anywhere is an earthquake, but an earthquake in Syria is big-time prophetic. Okay? How many are following me so far? And for, for an example, I'm going to give you just a few examples during the message. In Isaiah 17, you can read it later, the Bible actually says, I don't have this on the scriptures today, the Bible actually says that the city of Damascus will become a heap of ruins. That's happening right now. I don't know exactly what God's definition is of a heap of ruins, but if my definition is it's already a heap of ruins, don't do it now. I was almost put a picture up, and I have done that in the past. Later on, tomorrow, today, don't do it now. Get on your phone and Google Damascus and, watch, and go to images. It's just ruins. This was before the earthquake. So these are signs. These are, are, are birth pains. These are things that God is saying, look, 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 watch, watch, watch. Kind of like when you're coming up to a train track and the lights are flashing and it's telling you slow down, a train's about to come through. These are things that God is speaking to us and prophetically telling us, I'm coming soon. Russia and China are Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Read that later. But Russia is a big player. We know what's going on in Russia right now. We know what Russia's been doing for the last year. Well, guess what? I can tell you something that is from intel, that is it, trusted sources in this world, that what has been going on in Russia is going to get way worse right now. 
They're saying, and this is, I'm going to quote this, they're saying within 20 days, and listen, I not only heard this last night, but I heard it from three other people, including my own pastor this morning. So we're all in the same spirit. They're going to attack again Ukraine within the next 20 days. Watch the news. Because the Bible is better than watching the news. But go ahead and confirm it when you hear it. This is what they're saying. They're going to attack in the next 20 days, and the offensive is going to be called Z-Day. And they're going to have 700 aircraft, 1,800 Russian tanks, and 500,000 soldiers attacking Ukraine. If you think they've already attacked, it's nothing from what's about to happen. And they're mentioning that to take out the Zelensky regime, that's why it's called Z-Day, and they're mentioning very possible use of nuclear weapons. That should scare us in the flesh. That should get our attention to realize the days that we're living in. This isn't just, I want to tell you something, this isn't just another war. I said this last year, and I've been saying this prophetically, that you have to understand Russia is coming down through Ukraine, not for Ukraine. Russia is coming down through Ukraine to get to Israel. Everything in this world, if you're new to the, to the gospel, you have to understand the nation of Israel is everything. Everything. That little tiny country that is the size of the metroplex is God's, the apple of God's eye. And, and we're going to talk about that a little more here in a second. But Russia's heading towards Ukraine. And Ezekiel talks about it being like a hook pulling him down. Because there, there's going to be a battle that they mentioned at the end of the seven years called the Battle of Armageddon. It will be World War III. If you've been talking about World War III, people are always talking about it. World War III will be centered on Israel. How many are still here? The other person next to you. But we have hope. How many are thankful for that? But we have hope, the blessed hope. If you don't know what that is, I'm going to tell you in just a second. I'm going to tell you what it is. We have hope. Now, this is very important. The wrath of God is coming on this earth, but I want to give you, I always tell you guys there's two things God can't do. God can't lie. God can't fail. I'm going to add a 2.8. Okay? God cannot, say cannot, say it emphatically, cannot pour his wrath out on his children. Okay? Did y'all get that? Cannot. Will not. Shan't not. Amen. He can't. He cannot do it because he promises in his word, and I'm going to show you that in a second, that he can't and he won't. So the wrath that's coming upon this earth, and listen, it's coming. It's not when, it's if. Or sorry, it's not if, it's when. And it's coming soon. That wrath is coming on this earth is not for God's children. And we are God's children. And you better be really thankful for that. Titus 2.11, watch this. What is the blessed hope? For the grace of God. See, we're living in the grace age right now. Not the abusive grace age that people preach. Not the greasy grace age. Not do whatever you want and get away with it and carry you, pull out your license to sin age that's being preached in the world today. The age of grace, that if it wasn't for its grace, we'd all be dead already. We'd already destroyed the whole world again. The grace of God that brings salvation, hallelujah, to, uh, has appeared to how many men? Everybody. Teaching us. Now, if you don't get anything else out of this message, get verse 12, okay? If you don't get anything else, focus here. This is the gist of the message. 
teaching us, what, what is the blessed hope, the return of Christ, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Leave this up there, please. In this present age. Because Jesus is coming back for a church that doesn't call itself a Christian. That doesn't just carry a Bible in their hand. That doesn't just show up to church on Sunday. Jesus is coming for a church that believes his word, fears his name, and is denying ungodliness and worldly lust, living soberly, living righteously, and living godly in this ungodly world this morning. How many do I have that are trying to live that kind of life? That's who he's coming for. And so we're constantly learning, what are the things that God teaches me in his word I need to stop doing? What are the things that, and, and, I, and you see your progress, you see how, you know, who I used to be, what I used to do. That's a changed life. You don't get saved and stay the same person. There's got to be a change. And so the reason that the rapture is going to happen is because there's this constant, at any moment, possibility that Jesus could come back right now. Right now, at this moment. And let me throw something else out for you. And those that are watching online, that I've said before and I've said it again, and those that I sent texts to, if you happen to be watching, get back in church. Get back on fire for God. Quit playing games. This is not the time to play games. This is not the time to go back to your vomit. These are serious days, perilous times. This preacher is preaching to you and telling you, get your house in order. Get your life together. Stop letting that flesh dominate you. And you start dominate the flesh. Because if you don't, you're going to wish you did. And then it's going to be too late. Can I get a better amen? We've got to live a godly life, a righteous life. And, and the, the fact that Jesus could come back at any moment is always the precursor to a revival where there's repentance. Where people are saying, God, instead of what can I get away with, God, what am I doing wrong? Please show me if there's anything on my clothes, Lord. If there's the smallest little stain, the slightest little wrong attitude, the, the little bit of for, unfor anything, God, show me, please. I want to be right with you. I want to be ready when the trumpet sounds. But listen to this closely. The rapture can happen at any moment. But you know if the rapture happens tomorrow and not today, you could die today. Are you ready to die? Your heart could stop. You could stop breathing. You could be in an accident. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready to stand before a holy God that's going to get, ask you to give an account for your life? If you believe in Jesus and you believe he died on the cross for your sins, then you're ready. Amen. So this is important. And then it goes on to say in that next verse, watch this, looking, looking. That's, that's ongoing. Not looked, not going to look. Looking. Every day we should wake up and say, Lord, today could be the day you come back. Lord, help me to live a godly life today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. And then once today's over, thank God that you made it through that day and say, Lord, today I wake up again, and I just want to renew my vows again today, this morning, Lord. I just want to remind you again, just, just want you to hear it again, Lord. You're Lord, and you're Master, and I believe in you, and I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, and my heart is ready. I'm looking for you. 
I'm looking for you. For the what? The blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's why this message is called the blessed hope. Now, to make this clear for somebody this morning, if you're new or don't know this, we believe and preach biblically, I believe totally biblically, in a pre-tribulation rapture. Okay? Pre, you saw there, we don't, they said Christians are debating over pre and post, and, and it's true. There's actually even a mid. Pre, pit, mid, post. Some people believe it will happen before, that's us. Others believe it will happen in the middle, that's them. And others will believe it happens after, that's others. Okay? And the thing is, I, I heard a great man say this one time. He says, if you want to go through the tribulation, th- let's just all pray that we get what we want. If you want to go through the tribulation, be my guest. I don't. And so, so people will tell us, oh, you're an escapist. You want to get out of that tribulation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not that stupid. I mean, if there was a fire in the building right now and smoke, flames, carpet was on fire, pulpit was on fire, walls were on fire, and I said, look, there's an exit sign, there's an exit sign. Everybody get out. And you go, no, I'm going to stay here. I think it's God's will for me to burn. Who'd be the dumb one? And if you want to stay, you get what you want. But there's an exit. The word shows us there's an exit. There's an escape. I didn't mention this in the first service, but I mentioned it a lot, and it should be a prayer. Luke 21, 36 says, watch therefore and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape those things that are coming to the earth. Now, we're going to give you a few verses of promise here that are really awesome. So, by the way, we're pre-tribulation. And, and the reason I said earlier that God cannot put his children through wrath, which is what the tribulation is, here's some verses for it. First Thessalonians chapter 1. Here's a promise from God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, watch this, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath that already happened. Is that what it says? To come. The wrath that's coming in the tribulation. What does it say there? He's delivering us from it. He, if, if you're delivered from something, that means you don't go through it. Okay? So he's delivering us. Here's another one. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. This is the clearest one in the whole Bible. This is why we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And you can get caught up and argue with people and all that. Like I said, if, if they believe in the, pit, the mid and the post, say, hey, have, enjoy it. I'll see you after. I'm going to go eat. Because it's going to be a banquet during the seven years. So they're going to miss out on that. And, and here's the thing, too. I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. You might be saying, man, I, I feel like God's calling. I've heard people say this. I feel like God's calling me to go through the tribulation. I'm going to be a warrior. You're not a warrior now. How, how are you going to be a warrior then? If you can't stand up for Jesus today, you're not going to stand up for him in the tribulation when they're talking about cutting your head off. Amen. Now, if you go through it and he wants you to go through it and all that, hey, praise God. But he ain't calling me to go through it. I haven't heard him say it once. Not one time. Matter of fact, he just keeps on taking me back to the promises that I've already put my faith in Jesus Christ. And so I don't have to be tested because I've already passed the test. Because the seven years, listen, is for testing those who have mocked his name. It's for testing the Jewish people who missed him the first time. And then the second half is him just being really angry of the mockery of his name. Okay? Wrath. 
Here's one more verse. This was in the History Channel. Thank you again, History Channel. I don't know how much that video cost them to make, but I appreciate it for free. Romans, or Revelations chapter 3. This is good homework too. You should read often Revelations 2 and 3 as examination because it's to seven churches which are symbolic of us. And here's the interesting three. Interesting thing, out of the seven churches, this is why we preach this message. Out of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, two are ready. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be on a, going out on a limb, I don't think, to say, and it's sad to say this, and I pray to God it's not in this church. I wouldn't be surprised if two out of seven Christians are ready to go. Claiming Christians. I don't want that to be true. I'm just saying. Because it was true back then, 2,000 years ago. He, he talks to every church, read that later, please, and he says, I have this against you. One of them, just to give some, one is you've lost your first love. You, you entertain that Jezebel spirit. So each one, he, he, he says, this is what I have against you. And only two churches he didn't have anything against. I want us to be that church. I want us to be the church that when the rapture happens, nobody's left behind. That nobody goes through this tribulation. That nobody has to, f- to, 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 to show their, their faith during the tribulation. And, and I'm going to finish this in a second, but I'm, I just, I'm just staying here for a second because um, I want to say something else that's really important here, too. You've got to understand, right now in 2023, before the tribulation starts and before the rapture happens, we are saved. Somebody shout out the name how we're saved. We're saved by what? Grace. What is grace? It means you receive something you don't deserve. Okay. And so grace is why we're, the Bible says in Ephesians, we are saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. So we're saved today simply by believing in Jesus. Simply. Okay? If you add to that and you say, I'm saved in Jesus, but I'm a good person, but I read my Bible, but, and all those, those don't get you saved. That's works. Okay? Works are things you do after you're saved for reward. But once you get into the tribulation, you're no longer going to be saved by works. By, by grace, you're going to be saved by works because then you're going to have to prove your faith. See the difference? You're going to have to give your life to be saved in the tribulation. So he's saying, you can, can get out of this. You can be ready. There's a blessing. The Bible also calls it a great mystery. And you don't have to be here. He says, because you've kept my command to persevere, because you've stayed in the faith, Because you've stayed in love with me, he says, I will keep you, keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. See, we're we're passing the test right now by putting our faith in Jesus. What did Jesus tell Thomas, Thomas? He said, blessed are they who will believe in me who've never seen me or touched me. That's us today. I'm here thankful for these verses. Amen? You ought to be. I am. So, if you're new, what's the rapture? What does that mean? Well, let me just tell you this first. The word rapture is not in the Bible. But if that scares you, neither is the word trinity. There's a lot of words that aren't in the Bible because the Bible wasn't written in English. Okay? So rapture is Latin and Greek is harpazo. Okay? And I'm going to give you the definition of what that means, and then I'm going to show you in the Bible exactly what the rapture is. Here's what the harpazo says, uh, the definition. To seize, to catch up, to snatch away. 
Now, earlier I referenced train tracks in a train. Just imagine with the verse here, or the definition, that the train is coming to hit you, and right before it hits you, somebody snatches you out of the way, and then the train doesn't hit you. The, 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 the tribulation is going to start right after the rapture. You even heard them say that in the History Channel. It could be days or hours, could be weeks, possibly months. I don't think it'll be months. As soon as the church is gone... The, the, the tribulation starts, and it will be start with a peace treaty between the Israelites and the Palestinians that no one's ever been able to give. That's another message. So how many are following me so far? That moment, that event is, is at any moment, the rapture, okay? And the rapture is going to trigger all of the things. Remember, remember COVID? Remember the pandemic? Pandemic? If you're in this church, I said that from day one. Pandemic. From China, okay. That was a test. That was that was that was a. Remember the assemblies in school, the fire assemblies. Remember when the thing would ring and everybody loved that. Remember, I love that. I love when those happen. I'm like, can we have one every day? Am I the only one? Or some of you like, oh, I don't want to miss school. I was waiting for those things to go off. Get outside. You remember them? Do they still do them? Okay. So the bell goes off and everybody, you know, how do, this is how we're going to get out of the fire. Everybody does the test, right? COVID was test. Pandemic was test for the Antichrist and ten nations to see if they can control the world. And guess what? They did it. So now they know. So we think, oh, everything's nice and calm now. Everything's nice and quiet now. Oh, everything's back to normal. That's exactly what they want you to think. We haven't seen anything yet. That's why I said in the text earlier, the pandemic is going to look like a barbecue picnic to what the tribulation is and the plans that they have. Y'all still here? So right when that happens, before that happens, because judgment and wrath is coming, Jesus gets his church out. Okay? That's the blessed hope. Here's what it says will happen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep. That means anybody who's died before today. Lest you sorrow as much as, as others who have no hope. As I'm reading this, I've had several people in this church recently too and over the years tell me that the reason they're serving God and the reason they got saved, including Pastor Brian and Garland, is because of these kind of messages. Brian, Pastor Brian had been in church his whole life in religious denominations and had never heard a message on the rapture. And it saved him, changed his life. These are the kind of messages we need to hear because this is the next event that's going to happen. And we need to be ready so we can get out of here instead of going, oh, we're in the tribulation and I missed it. Because there's no second chance after that. Amen? Can I get an amen? So he says, as others who have no hope. That's why we said the blessed hope. For if we believe, there's the if. Not if we go to church, not if we tithe, not if we give uh, to charity, not if we pray a lot, not if we uh, do all that. It says if we believe. Salvation comes from believing. And the question this morning is, do you really believe? That's the question. Jesus is coming back for people who believe in him. Not just people who went to church. Some of you, I hope it's not the case, you might be here for your husband or your wife. You're trying to save your marriage, you're trying to look good, you're trying to, whatever, that's great. That's great. It's a good start. I'm glad you're here. But that's not what's going to save you. Belief. You need to ask yourself, do you really believe? Because this guy right here believes with every fiber in my being. 
that Jesus came down from heaven and died on the cross for my sins. And if he wouldn't have done that, I'd be in hell right now. Already. So I believe. So he said, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, how many are alive this morning, whether you look like it or not, amen, and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself, Jesus, will descend from where? Heaven, with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. They're going to come out of the graves. And then, we who are alive and remain, that's today, shall be what? That's the definition of harpazo. That's the definition of rapture. Caught up. Together with them, who? The dead in Christ. In the clouds, where? Where are clouds at? Up there. To meet the Lord, not on the ground, in the air. Jesus is not going to touch, his feet are not going to touch the ground. Our feet are going to leave the ground. Now for anybody who is, is, that's so weird. You know what's holding you to the ground right now? Gravity. All God's got to do is go, doop. Gravity lifted. God, do you remember that God created the universe? Okay. With a word? So go get my kids. Boop, gravity off, children up. Into the air. Really. Like really, it's going to happen. Not, oh, no, really. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know any of those details. If I had my opinion, I want it to be the most amazing roller coaster ride ever. I want it to take a while. I want to soar. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I do know that God is pretty cool. I think it's going to be pretty amazing. So it says, then we will always be with the Lord. Now, here's a big verse right here. So comfort one another with these words. See, I'm saying that horrible things are about to come. And we can comfort each other this morning with the fact that if we believe in Jesus, he's going to take us out of here, snatch us out before danger. We can comfort each other with those words. Can you imagine if that wasn't the case and I would have stopped at Revelation 16 and I said, hey, the 21st bowl, the 21st judgment is a great earthquake and the islands are going to disappear and hailstones are going to come down. Aren't you all excited about that? Isn't that awesome? Cool. How are we going to hide from those hailstones? How do you prepare for that? Where do you go to prepare for an earthquake that's worldwide? Amen? Everybody still here? See, when I've studied this out, because I like to study from the other people's point of view. I, don't, I, don't, I take it by faith, but I like to study it out too. And I like to go to the other side. And as I study, I just get more convinced that this is God's plan. Because there is no way, that, or nowhere in the Bible, and I want you to understand this, nowhere in the New Testament do you see where God says to prepare and stock up and, and hoard and, and have a doomsday package or anything like that. Nowhere. Nowhere. Doesn't mean you can't save money. Doesn't mean you can't have food in the pantry. Doesn't mean you can't be wise. I'm saying nowhere in the Bible does it say to do those doomsday prepper things that everybody's done. Matter of fact, it tells me that the lilies of the field are taken care of. And why would I worry about what the today, tomorrow brings? Because God takes care of me today. So he's taking care of us. So here's, here's something interesting and important and exciting. 
There's five crowns, and I want to get all five. I'm just kind of competitive. There's five crowns that we can receive as Christians. That's another message. One of the five is, is called loving his appearing. How many want? I want that crown. I'm getting that crown. When we get up there, you watch. I'm going to get that crown. I'm just telling you in advance. I don't know if I'm going to get the other ones, but I'm going to get that crown because I'm looking. Second Timothy says there's a crown for those who love his appearing. That's why I teach this to you. But to a godless, listen, world, and unfortunately, a biblically illiterate church, the rapture is going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to come, for, and people aren't going to be prepared for it. Not this church. Thank God. Watch what Matthew 24 says. 42, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. It doesn't say when he's, if he's coming. It says you don't know when. But know this, that if the master of the house had known the hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, be ready. Tell the person next to you, be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, you might ask me, Pastor, how close are we to the return? Does anybody want to know how close we are? Can I just get one hand? No, no one cares? Okay. Does anybody want to know how close we are? Here's what I believe. I believe we're past due. I do. When a, when a baby is born or going to be born, they give a due date. It's a guess. It's an estimated guess. And then some babies are born before the due date, premature, and some go over. Now, they can't go way over, but they do go over. And I believe, literally, because of the prophetic things I've seen in the last few years, we're, we're, we're overdue. The rapture could have and should have already happened. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm not God, so it hasn't. But I'm telling you, that's where we're at. And I'm going to explain to you why. I'm going to tell you why. Birth pains okay, have been happening, all these birth pains. And the biggest proof, listen closely, don't lose me here at the end. The biggest proof of time, watch, God's, God's calendar, is what's called the fig tree. In the Bible, the fig tree is Israel. I mentioned that earlier. Israel is the fig tree. Jesus would use it as a, an example. He cursed the fig tree. He, he says, now, when you see, and this is in that verse I, was, I just put up, I got ahead of myself. Um, put that back up if you don't mind. He says, when, when, I never read that, didn't I? Did I? Look at the fig tree and all the trees. No, I didn't even say it, did I? Sorry, Luke 21, 29 to 32. I might not, oh, there we go. He speaks a parable. He says, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When, and the reason he's saying this is because they said, Jesus, when will we know that you're coming? He says, when they're ready, already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer's now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, all the things in Luke 21 and Matthew 24, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this is the key, this generation, say that with me, this generation, will by no means pass away until all these things take place. So he says, there's a way we can know when he's coming back. Not the day, not the hour, but we can know the season. And we're in this season. Here's why. Israel became a nation in 1948. For almost 2,000 years after Jesus prophesied, he said when he was on the earth, he says, I'm, you're going to destroy this temple, and in three days it's going to be raised again. And they thought he was talking about the physical temple. But it was this, his body. But it was also, and this is how prophecy works, it was also the physical temple. Because in 70 AD, the physical temple was destroyed. And it's been destroyed for the last 
you know, 2,000 years, and on that place where the temple was sits a mosque today, if that's not a mockery. Y'all still here? Watch this. So Israel becomes a nation. Another scripture that I don't have in my notes today says, can a nation be born in one day? Israel became a nation from one day to the next. May of 1948. One day Israel wasn't, and the next morning and the news, Israel was. And that should make your hair stand up. My mom was born in 1948, the year that Israel was born. My mom is going to be 75 in September. Now watch this. He says, when you see the fig tree budding, he says, this generation will not pass till all these things have happened. So what is the generation? Look what David said in Psalms chapter 90. Clear definition. Watch this. The days of our lives are how many years? Now, this is very interesting. This, D David wrote this 3,000 years ago. I'm just going to stay here for a second. I didn't do this in the first service. This is amazing. David wrote this 1,000 years before Jesus came. Now, we know that in his time and before, people lived hundreds of years. Remember? Methuselah was 969 years old. People would live 800, 700, and it kept going down. They were living long lives in the time of David. But David prophesies here to 2023. And he says, our lives, although it wasn't his lives, because they were living longer than 70, he's speaking of us today are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, 80. I always tell people, and I believe this, if you get to 70, you've lived a blessed life. Because that's, that's what the Bible says. If, you know what the life expectancy is in the world? 74 years. So if you're past that, you're good. You're blessed. And some people get to the age where like, I don't want to be blessed anymore, God. I'm too blessed. Can I go home? Like some people are in their 90s and they, they want to go. Y'all following me? So, so the generation, we can get a number, is 70 to 80 years. What is, I know, it's, I know this is hard math. Some of you guys have to get your phones out. What's 70 plus 48? 1948, 2018. Boom. That's okay. That's, we're <laughs> speaking. Did y'all catch that? 1948 plus 70 is 2018. So that's where this gen he says a generation is 70 to 80 years. Jesus says this generation will not pass to all these things have happened. All these birth pains are happening. All these things are happening. And so... We're in 2023. So this year in May, the generation that, was, that started in 1948 when Israel became a nation will be 75. The reason I say we're past due is he said 70 to 80. Now maybe it'll go all the way to 80. But this shows us how close we are. And when you look at the span of thousands of years, it's minutes. Church, there's nothing left that has to happen for Jesus to come back. Nothing prophetically. The only reason I believe he hasn't come back yet has to be for more people to get saved. That's it. That's it. But we don't know when that day is. So we have to be ready. Can I get an amen? And look at the last words, the last words of Jesus in the Bible. Yet we don't really pay attention to this. I sent this out today. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming quickly. Now back then they... They thought, do you realize that every generation that's lived for the last 2,000 years thought they were going to see Jesus come back? But they didn't have the fig tree. Israel wasn't a nation. We have that. Israel's a nation. 
And he says, I'm coming quickly. Meaning, like this. Just like that. Just blink, blink your eyes real fast. First Corinthians says, like the tw in, the, in the twinkling of an eye. Abrir y cerrar de ojos. In Spanish. Just like that. So you can't mess around with God and think, man, I'll just, I'll just call on his name real quick when the rapture happens. Because it's going to happen too fast. That's what's called being caught like a thief with your hands in the cookie jar. So I'm not talking about a sin in your life that, that uh, you made a mistake today as a human being. You got angry. You, you, you had a bad thought that, that you asked for God to forgive you for that. I'm talking about living in habitual sin. Living a lifestyle that you know is wrong and you're not dealing with it. You will not make the rapture. Are you listening to me? I'm not trying to be mean. I want you to, I want you to be ready. I used to ask my dad when I was younger because I was raised since I was born. Thank God. I thank God in churches that preach this. I thank God for that. You, better be, you ought to be thankful to be in churches. I don't say that to toot our horn, that preach the whole truth. There's a whole bunch of churches out there today that don't even know what the rapture is. How is that possible? How? So I used to ask my dad when I was about 10, 12, and I had a cussing problem. I said, Dad, if Jesus comes back and I cuss that day, would I, would I miss the rapture? That was an honest question. The problem was, it was an honest question, but I was asking because I wanted to keep cussing. I wanted to see if I could get away with the cussing. That was the wrong heart. If you're trying to live your life to see what you can get away with, that's not the right heart. We should be saying, Lord, is there anything, is there anything in my life that's wrong? And we should have that reverent fear. And then we know that if our hearts are right, when that trumpet sounds, we're out, we're out of here. Amen? And we're going to go to heaven and be with the Lord and celebrate. But today, if you're watching online or you're here and you have secret sin, you have something that you're doing that you're in and you need deliverance from. Come to this altar today and get your heart right. Don't miss. The, there's no way. To, you know, there's no way to even understand and explain how horrible it's going to be. I believe the Bible says that I believe that the, the people who are going to be the worst, most hurt is those who knew the truth. If anybody misses the rapture in this church, they're not going to believe that aliens abducted us. They're going to know the rapture happened because they've heard it preached over and over and over again. What if you have a heart attack? I know I'd have a heart attack if I missed the rapture. I, my heart would stop. I promise you that right now. So I'd be done. Don't, don't do that whole I'll change tomorrow thing. Deal with your sin today. Get your heart right. Deny ungodliness. Do, the, do these things that, that, that Titus says. Go to Ephesians and Galatians and look at the works of the manifest, manifestations of the flesh and say, Lord, I don't want nothing to do with that. And like I said the other day, listen closely. We've got some people leaving to head towards the land. So don't lose your uh, focus. I said this the other day, church. We've got to understand sin is real. The Bible says he comes to steal and kill and destroy. He hates us. We have to deal with sin. And repentance is the beginning of, of changing your sin. Saying, God, I'm, I'm sorry for this. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live in this anymore. Because church, you can fake it till you make it. But you're not faking God. God sees your hearts. And, you know, we're, we're good at getting rid of the. We don't, we don't drink alcohol no more. We don't do drugs no more. But, boy, we, we unforgive. 
We have anger problems. We gossip. Y'all with me? Those are the things no one sees, but they're, they're not right. So we have to have a daily revival. Lord, is there anything in my life this? And listen, you don't have to do it. But I'm not playing games with this thing. When that rapture happens, I'm gone. I don't want to be here. I know too much. I know too much. I, know, I, I, I can tell you, day, I told my wife on the way here, that's why we know the rapture is going to happen before. Because once you start the tribulation, I can literally tell you everything that's going to happen. Because it's going to happen like clockwork. So there would be no surprise at the end of the, after that great earthquake happens on the 21st bowl, it would be like, all right, here he comes. Because it would be done. But he's coming when we least expect it. And so we just stay ready. We stay ready and we thank God for the blessed hope. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that's here to keep us ready. Lord, to look for that blessed hope this morning. Father, as people are watching online, Holy Spirit, as people are sitting in these chairs, Lord, this might be the last message we ever preach in this service, in this church. This might be the last day we're on this earth. Are our hearts right? Are we ready to be with you? Are we ready to stand for a holy and living God? Or are we going to be caught off guard like a thief in the night? That's not your will for us. Lord, you said that we can be ready. You said we can be watching. And there's a crown for those who love your appearing. And, Lord, I love your appearing. I want, I want the rapture to happen. I don't love this world. I want to be with you, Lord. And, Lord, I'm just reading your word as it is. How many all across this place, from front to back and side to side, if the rapture happened this morning, if the trumpet sounded and Jesus came to get his church to take us up into heaven, as he said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you will be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. He's been preparing that place for us for the last 2,000 years. If, you, if the rapture happened today and you don't know for sure that you'd be going up, Say, Lord, today I need salvation. Just lift up your hand. Say, that's me. All across this place. Honest hearts. I need Jesus. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? How many more? I'm going to wait just a few moments. You can put it down. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? You know, God loves you so much that he's given you a chance this morning. There's going to be a day when there's not going to be a chance. Once that tribulation starts, all hell breaks loose. And the spirit of God that's in the church, we're called the restrainer. We're holding back. You think this world's bad right now? What do you think it's going to look like when the church is gone and there's no church praying anymore? Don't mess around. Today's the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable day of the Lord. How many more? I'm not asking you to be a part of the church, a member of the church. I'm asking you to put your faith in Jesus. I'm asking you to say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior, and you're that Savior. I see your hand. God bless you. Save me today, Jesus. The Bible says, he who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is for the young person. This is for the older person. doesn't matter what age you are. You're not going to have your young people. You're not going to have your parents around when you stand before God. You're going to stand before God for yourself. You have to answer for your life. I'm going to give just a few more seconds.
that sin you're dealing with, that pornography you're looking at, that cigarette you're smoking, that drug you're messing with, that thought life you're having, it's not worth it. That little bit of pleasure is not worth hell. Not worth going through the tribulation. Not worth being tested on this earth. Maybe you're here this morning watching online, sitting in this place, and the last call is, I am backslidden. I'm running away from God. I'm not, I'm not running to God. I, I know the Lord, but I'm like that prodigal son or daughter. I'm out testing the world. And Jesus says, well, come home. Come back. Come back to your first love. That's what Revelation says. You've lost your first love. How many could say that's me today, Pastor? I want to pray for you. Just lift up your hand and put it back down. I see your hands. I see your hands. Let's stand all across this place. Let's stay in this spirit of reverence. If you raise your hand for either one of those, get out of that seat and come down to this altar and let's pray for you this morning. Let's, let's make a decision to put Christ in our life. Just step out to that nearest aisle and come down. Amen. Don't wait for somebody else. Just come. Come on. Let's, let's thank God for it. Other hands went up. Amen. Come on. Come on. Help them get by. Make room for them in the aisle. If they're looking towards that aisle, make room for them this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're going to say a prayer right now, and, and those that are watching online, listening on the podcast, say this with me. Lord Jesus, I love you because you first loved me. Thank you for your mercy and your grace because I don't deserve it. I fall short every day of your glory. And the wages of my sin is death. But I thank God that the gift of God is an eternal life with you. I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess I need a Savior. I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I believe you rose from the dead. You died on that cross for my sins. Change me. Forgive me. Wash me clean from all of my unrighteousness. Today is the beginning of a new life. I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name, from this day forward, I will turn away from this world. I will flee lust and desires. And I will seek your face and seek your word and live in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.